It's time to hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you. It's time to hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you. You're listening to the Noise Cancelling Pod, the podcast about streamlining life, encouraging discourse, and maximizing your mind. Hosted by Frank Boyce and Axel Clark. Welcome back, everyone, to Noise Cancelling Pod. This is episode 19. I'm Frank Boyce. And this is Axel Clark. We're very glad to have you here again. And uh, we have another exciting political roundtable featuring our uh, senior political correspondent extraordinaire. Uh, Axel, why don't you tell us a little bit more about how we're going to dive into the subject this week? All right, so me and Frank were talking, and actually me, Frank, and Trevor met up in Nashville uh, a couple weeks ago, and we were talking, and we were joking about the different things that we've said on the podcast, and so what we're going to do today is Frank and I have gone back and reviewed the previous two episodes with Trevor, and we're going to play back or play quotes from uh, some of what we've said, and then we're going to have some hot takes on those uh, playbacks. So I guess we we talked about answering to ourselves, and that we're going to hold each other accountable for what we're saying on the podcast. So welcome, Trevor. Thanks for coming back on. Thanks for having the... Uh the balls to be accountable to what you had said in the past. It's great to be back. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm somewhat terrified about what you guys were able to dredge up. <laughs> well, I would say lucky for you. I think most of the inflammatory things you said uh, via DM to me or <laughs> off mic, <laughs> because we were, we were really trying to go through. I think Axel found probably some of the best ammunition, so I'm going to let him go first. All right, so when we start... start- What's when we start called? selling the noise canceling pod book, we can <laughs> publish the direct messages. Oh, that's, that's good. <laughs> the editor, the editor's cut of the noise canceling pod book. So, all right. Oh, so the okay. the, uh, the first one that I've got was early in uh, episode eleven, and uh, talking about an event Trevor's going to. Trevor, were those real tickets that you have for the Donald Trump show in Huntsville? Yes. Yes, they are. They, you, uh... You should fly down, Axel. I I'm not flying too. that. <laughs> and, uh, I will be in attendance. But, so are you taking a date, or are you taking a friend? What's your plan there? First date. Well, first date do you want to make America great again <laughs> that would be a great date that would be hilarious second question do you want to go get dinner after third <laughs> check out this podcast where I talk about this. podcast and chill featuring Trevor oh my gosh. <laughs> podcast and chill did there are a lot of good concepts from that. Trevor, do you actually did you actually go to that? I actually ended up not going oh, because disappointing. it's disappointing, but I had good reason. They had to move the event to a larger venue because there were so many people that were going. And he ended up having a couple thousand people show up and for me, I was slightly intimidated but also somewhat intrigued. But right outside of my backyard, I could hear his entire speech verbatim. It was actually incredible. But uh, I didn't appear to miss anything. It was his (laughs) run-of-the-mill speech about the things that he talks about. So unfortunately, I did not attend. That's too bad. A lost date opportunity. All right. It could have been a great one. (laughs) All right. The next one is sometimes Trevor gets accused of being uh, of feeling the burn and being a Bernie supporter. So I found this one. So does Bernie have a shot? 
No. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. You guys can call me Miss Cleo because I got it. I called it. As the great Paul Pierce once said, I called game. Yeah. All right, I got another one here where you also called something. Okay. All right. Another call. I. You know, I think it's nonsense. Uh, I think th- this is the funny thing about Donald Trump that that and Axel and I have spoken about this many times, and I'll and I'll tell you, uh, the guy is a genius uh, in terms of. <laughs> <laughs> Can you start that again, please? I just want to hear it one more time. Just one more. This is making me feel really good. <laughs> if you don't have it, that's fine. Trevor, what was the word that you used? Genius. Marketing himself and... Oh, I missed it. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. That was one thing that we talked about. Uh, I I think Trevor and I talked about it about a week and a half ago, is that we both really thought that he was a genius, that he had found like this, this conversation piece and this whole segment of America that he just directly spoke to and just marketed himself perfectly for that. And we've swung completely around, and I'll let Trevor talk more about it. I don't think both of us feel he's a genius anymore. The The interesting thing was, for the past eight years, you've seen the Tea Party rise, and you've seen a lot of right-wing conservatives kind of take form and, and say, you know what, political correctness, whatever that is, is you know, this, the scourge of our lifetime. And, and we want someone who just says what they feel, not just pays us lip service. So then along comes a guy who actually gives them what they've been wanting. He secures the nomination. And then all of a sudden you're sitting there and saying, okay, now that he's secured the nomination, maybe he'll start being serious and maybe he'll start saying some things that are actually genius. And he's just given a little bit more of the same so recently we've all sat down and kind of talked about it the guy's not a genius the guy's (laughs) sticking with what got him there basically this this what's the definition of insanity you know so at this point i think he's more insane than genius i think saying that he's insane is giving him more credit to his originality than deserves I mean, if anything, he's very repetitious and I would say almost a dullard at this point. Like he's had, he's had the same four talking points the entire time and, you know, hasn't changed what he said at all other than like maybe adding in a few more groups to uh, say prejudicial, prejudicial comments towards. One of the most interesting things about Donald Trump is that he comes up with these nicknames for people. So Crazy Bernie, Lion Ted Cruz. Uh, crooked Hillary and he, he little Marco and finally somebody decided you know what we're gonna call him out on this so he started a tweet fight a Twitter fight with Elizabeth Warren the senator from Massachusetts and she came out swinging and basically said your nicknames are lame nothing you say is reasonable and you look kind of dumb <laughs> and he just it's like punching a bully in the nose. He doesn't know what to do. And it was incredible to watch her single-handedly take him down and embarrass him and then him have nothing for her at all. all right. Yeah, I mean, that's really the tactic that you have to take. Axel, continue. I yeah, know you so, have okay, some more. Okay, so next one. This is uh, this one I, I got a great laugh out of. So we were talking about what would happen if Tre- Trump is elected president. And so I think Trevor had some good ideas. When Obama got on Twitter, people were like, first president to ever get on Twitter. Like, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
now from the Oval Office, President Donald Trump is going to be like, oh, Vladimir Putin, what a loser. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag low energy. You know, it's going to be great. Like, oh, Kim Jong-un, like nice haircut. Hashtag fail. <laughs> like, oh, when does that become not funny? That's the real question. When it's real? Ha- what what month what month of this year does that become not funny at all? I just like to be honest and and explain that Donald Trump has been praised by Kim Jong Un and Vladimir Putin since I made that quote. <laughs> so he would likely go after Merkel or another ally before he goes against Putin and Kim Jong Un. <laughs> All right, so the last uh, clip I have are the actual nominee predictions for from uh, each of us. So I'm going to play these and we can talk about who was right. Both sides. Let's hear, let's hear what you think, Trevor. I think Marco Rubio is vastly overrated. It, it, it's... It's interesting to me that the last great hope of the GOP establishment is this guy. I mean, really, <laughs> this guy. And agree or disagree with Barack Obama's politics, he was a great orator and politician. And these guys keep trying to compare Marco Rubio to Barack Obama, and it's embarrassing. There, there is no message that Marco Rubio puts off that is in any way, shape, or form a message of uniting anybody except for the small group of donors that he does their bidding for. I mean... Oh, I might have missed it. I'm missing it. I have That's to re- still a good clip. <laughs> I'm going to have to recap it. So we each put out our predictions, and on the from the Democrats... It went, I guessed Hillary. Frank went off on a limb and guessed burn, feeling the burn. And then Trevor went Hillary. And then all three of us predicted Trump. Although I said it was going to be tied all the way through the convention. And But f- Trevor said that, that Bernie would be out by March. <laughs> <laughs> like very emphatically. Out, he'll be out by March. It's not going to come down to superdelegates. And that was because I said he's out of here on Super Tuesday. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. <laughs> so that that was, I think, the most damning, damning thing against you. And out of two episodes, I'd say yeah. that's pretty good. That's pretty good. The, the quote I'm most embarrassed by is that I said Donald Trump was a genius. <laughs> Which you went on to qualify it, but that's not going to be part of the... Of the um, loop track that we make. <laughs> no, we're cut it off before any context comes into it. <laughs> so going back to episode three, which still stands as the uh, the most popular episode ever of Noise Canceling Pod, um, I'm gonna call out both Axel and I for a couple things. Uh, Axel said that he thought he was talking about Trump being a genius and he said he wouldn't be surprised if at some point Trump just came out and said it was all a big joke <laughs> which I think we're still hopeful for yeah and then I, I think my biggest embarrassment was when I would I was just getting on Twitter and I was bashing it real hard as a, as a news source and uh, Trevor was really qualifying it with good sources and, and people who he was getting information from. And I have to say, I have swung around quite a bit on uh, the usefulness of Twitter. So I, uh, I apologize for being so skeptical, Trevor. Frank, it's about time that you procure stock in Twitter. <laughs> Get it? Wow. Jo- join, join the team. <laughs> And then, actually, I think the bi- the biggest thing that you said that I thought was was brilliant was you said it was foolish to believe that Trump was not striking a chord when we were kind of underselling Trump in terms of being an actual candidate. And I think that was uh, that's something that's painful to go back and and look look upon and see that there's a lot of truth to that. It you know it I find it fascinating that. 
he was able to pull out the nomination, but then when you remember there were 17 people running against him, and I think the latest figure was he got 47% of the Republican electorate. It this This is just the perfect storm for a guy like Trump. And, you know, when... Frank, when your kids are old enough to be somewhat intrigued about talking about this, you could tell them, listen to this playback of this guy talking about these things. (laughs) This is what it was like to actually be there. (laughs) (laughs) That's totally true. Yeah, and I've been trying to debate, and this this isn't back to what we've talked about, but I I really can't put my finger on, like, who, who do we actually blame for for this emergency like i think my question is like is it is it complacency or complicity with with the trump campaign for how we actually got here well i think it starts even before the trump campaign i think it started with with the tea party movement where they wanted anti-establishment they wanted someone to speak the way that they talked they wanted someone to share a message that they had been railing against. And so I think that was the beginning. And I think that was back in, you know, 2010 when they became very prominent. But don't you think that's a response to how people believe that government, how effective government is and the, and just the like the communication between the two parties in government? Certainly for the Republican side, I, I would agree with that. Uh, But at the same time, I think that one of the things that this, this uh, cycle has shown us is the, there's a difference between the media on the right versus the media on the left. And then what we would call, you know, neutral media. Right. It's, it's fascinating the different ways that the that things are perceived. You can hear a guy like Donald Trump say that a federal, a sitting federal judge who's an American, but has two immigrant parents from Mexico. You can hear Donald Trump say that he's unqualified to be the judge in his case. And he's biased because he is of Mexican heritage. You can sit and watch on a mainstream media uh, channel you can see that they're reporting it it's fair it's reasonable this is what he said and you make the determination and then you turn on a, another channel and it's well there's nothing really wrong with saying that this guy's biased i mean the donald trump does want to build a wall i mean it, it's just fascinating and i think when you live in that when you live in a noise chamber or the echo chamber you're able to believe these things i think that 2010 was incredible if you think about the wave i mean the house flipped you know in the blink of an eye and there were no longer politicians there were average people who had no business being in government that essentially have caused two government shutdowns and refused to vote on anything so this is what we've gotten and now we've got the ultimate in a presidential candidate. You don't think he's going to bring them together once he's president? (laughs) Like I said, he got 47% of the Republican electorate. I've got faith in the rest of America not to ever allow him to get close to the White House unless it's for a Congressional Medal of Freedom for The Apprentice. (laughs) All right, with that, let's make our predictions. Frank, are you going to kick us off this time? Predictions for what? The, the general election. The, the end of the world? or The general election, let's go. Oh, the general election. Okay. Yeah. And let's try to, let's predict the winner and then the percentage of votes. Wow. Um, gosh. I, ha- I honestly have not put any, any thought into this. This is why it's a hot take. Yeah, I, I'm going to say um, Hillary by a nose in, in something very similar to um, the Bush-Gore tally. 
I don't. It's not going to come down to Florida again, though. That's that's my only thing. But it'll be like fifty-one. 50 or 5149 hashtag math i think it's to be hillary and a generally like a landslide uh i'm probably gonna i but i feel like i'm gonna eat my words on that but i say hillary and the landslide so one thing that we haven't talked about on the podcast is that there's a libertarian candidate uh gary johnson he's the uh former governor of new mexico I believe he's a two-term governor of uh, Republican governor of New Mexico. He's actually a very fascinating guy. Uh, you know, if you hear any interviews with Gary Johnson, he's very quirky. Um, you know, very active. Loves hiking. He, when he ran for president in 2012, he actually rode through New Hampshire across the state on his bicycle, and he hiked one of the tallest mountains in New England while he was in New Hampshire uh, to get publicity for running for president. So he's actually a very fascinating guy. What I think is going to happen is a lot of the GOP that doesn't want to go along with Trump are going to vote Gary Johnson because he's an actual conservative. So I would say that Hillary probably gets in the high 40s. I think that, like Frank said, it'll be a lot like Florida, or not a lot like Florida, a lot like the 2000 election. I think Gary Johnson gets that Nader vote. And I think Trump gets less than Bush or Gore got during that time frame. It's kind All of right. a cop out, but I think Gary Johnson's a dark horse and mm. stealing votes from the GOP. All right. Well, okay. No, I got. I have a follow up. What's uh, Trump's nickname going to be for G- Gary Johnson? <laughs> Goofy Gary. <laughs> nice. Nice. Although he's already called Elizabeth Warren Goofy Elizabeth Warren, so he might have to think of something more creative. It seems like he recycles ideas pretty frequently, so I think he'll be okay with that. Yeah. All right. So we're going to shift gears here a little bit. So each year around this time, Trevor likes to send me a picture of this limo that I purchased. And (laughs) it's a painful reminder to me about making uh, smart decisions. So I thought I'd like kind of walk everyone through the story of my limo purchase and I'll let you guys kind of ask some questions. I'm guessing that uh, during many points this people are going to question my judgment and <laughs> like it's not a good look for me, but it's it's a pretty funny story. <clears throat> so hold so, on, first point of clarification. Yeah. Was it a rental or a purchase? A purchase. You you bought an actual <laughs> we limo. Bought. Okay, so how this story starts I, out. I need this whole story. Right. Yeah, so how this story starts out. So we're sitting in uh, in Boston. And Trevor, were you around at this time? You I, you were at this. It's a Sunday. Uh, no, was, I was I I was there. It was, but it's a Sunday, and we weren't even like we weren't even drinking. We were just watching football. And so we had a rough night before. Yeah. I so think, we were just hanging out. Yeah. I think there was about seven of us, and so we're sitting around, and like one of our buddies has this picture of one of his group of friends who are in this like really sweet white limo and he's like man it's awesome to take it to all these events and so then as a joke we just start looking around like someone's like hey check out craigslist this limo's only two thousand dollars and it's in florida and then someone's like oh check out this one this one's like uh fifteen hundred and it's in ohio then someone goes hey this one's nine hundred dollars and it's in uh uh what town is that Lowell, Lowell, it's Lowell, Lowell, Massachusetts. It's twenty minutes away, and so we're sitting there, and we're and four of us decide, you know what, this is too good of an opportunity, and it just it was meant to be for us to go check out this limo. So the four was getting getting with someone's car, we drive out there, and it's not a nice limo, but it does it runs, and so we talked them down to eight hundred dollars. So each of us has to pay two hundred dollars for this limo. <laughs> And so we pay him cash. I sign the back of the, or they, they sign the back of the registration, and it's basically I've taken, not full like ownership of the limo, but as a group, the four of us bought this limo. And on the drive home, the excitement that we had was so great. Like everyone was just super pumped. We were t- talking about these stories about how some people are going to be wearing a hat, 
like the the driver will be wearing a hat. We're gonna drive it to downtown Boston and, and get it uh, and valet it, and valet park the limo, and then we're, we were opening up some of the the uh, the compartments, and someone got iced, so they found a Smirnoff ice in there, and uh, so it was great. It was it, it got off to a wonderful start. So then the temporary registration was good for two weeks, and we I don't think we used it. We used it that first night, and we did not use it again. And so, I get all the stuff together, and I ship off the all the documents to get it registered and plated in Oregon because it only had temporary place at that time. And at this point, it's parked at my buddy Jim's at Jim's house. And I like two weeks later, I get this email or the note back from Oregon, and they said, "Hey, you only sent us the registration. We need the title." And then I realized that I didn't have the title. <laughs> like all he had done was had, was sign the back of the registration form, and then that was the only documentation I had of the change of ownership. So I'm like, okay. So I don't. I think I called them or I called New Hampshire, but in New Hampshire, once it's past 12 years or 15 years or something, they won't reissue the title, and you only use the registration to uh the registration acts as the title so i'm like okay so i can't get a title for it so oregon turned me down and so then i'm like well i need to start i need to figure out if i can do this in massachusetts but at that point at that point it was snowed in so the the limo's like snowed in because it's middle of winter boston so i kind of forgot about it because we couldn't drive it anyway at the time so then like two months later it's parked in front of our buddy jim's house Jim calls me up in the middle of the day. He's like, look, my neighbor just called me, and they see that it's not registered. And they said, if you don't move this limo by 2 o'clock today, we're going to call it in and have it towed. And so I'm like, oh, crap, okay, so we got to make a move. So <clears throat> we go take the limo, and we park it in my house, like next to my house with the visitor parking. And visitor parking is good for two days, but I'm thinking, oh, this is foolish. I was thinking I could like I could go on an extra day or two, and so I tried to go to Massachusetts to register it now because I'm like I got to get this thing registered because right now it's sitting without plates, and so I go in and Massachusetts <laughs> like, yeah we can't register this without a title, and so I, I didn't know what to do like I, I guess I could have registered in New Hampshire but I didn't live in New Hampshire, I didn't have residency there so I wasn't really sure how I would have a basis to go to New Hampshire and register it. That, that's where we had, had previously been registered, Trevor. And one side note about parking it at our apartment on Massachusetts Avenue. Oh, no. Uh, shout out to 2353. Um, on Mass Ave, it's all meter parking, and then on the side streets, it's residential parking. Imagine seeing... A full-sized limo <laughs> where there's minimal parking, so you can imagine how furious people were <laughs> that there was this unmarked, unmarked 1992 Lincoln Town Car limo just sitting on a side street, taking, taking up at least two or three parking spots. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, sure enough, at the end of my two-day pass, I'm coming home from work and just the limo's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right. So the limo's been towed. <clears throat> I'm like, okay, so I didn't want to deal with it because I had a lot going on. So I waited like a day or two. And then finally I'm like, I need to call and figure out where this limo's at. So I call the the county or whatever. And they go, oh, it's at this yard. Well, I had an event that I had to go to that night. And I guess at this point I realized I was accumulating fines for every day that was still stuck in parking. So I asked my good friend Trevor to go get it, like get the limo out. And the other thing was I couldn't drive it out because, oh, I forgot. So I couldn't drive it out of there because it wasn't licensed. But no one would tow it because it wasn't licensed either. So I had to pay twice as much to get some special towing service for an unlicensed vehicle. I think they had, I don't know, did they have to put it up on the trailer? Uh, they did. And that, that was... Do you want me to take over? Yeah, you can take over for this piece. So I get a text message. It's basically like, we need to fix this. So I go back and gather my things, and I head out to uh, the 
the yard in Somerville where this limo is just collecting dust. So I get in there and we start negotiating, you know, where it's going and what the address is and whatnot. So they end up telling me, well, we thought this was going north of the city. And I said, no, it's going south towards Foxborough. And they said, well, that's not what our directions say. So then I had to go and actually physically get the key because we were just going to leave it parked in Foxborough. So I realized that I didn't have the key, so I had to go return to Massachusetts Avenue, get the key, and bring it back so they could actually get it back onto this truck. So, hold on, so that's Long right. So you, you, first of all, you couldn't find it. Then you finally Correct. found it, and it was in like this dark alley. And when you finally found it, to put it on the trailer, they're like, no, we need a key so you can do something with it. And so you had to go back home, get the key, come back to this place. They trailered it, and then they started driving. And somehow, I don't know if they called you or me, but they had gone the wrong way. Because I was up, I think I was up, in, up north. So they started driving up north, and then we had to redirect. But the bottom line is... The towing of the eight hundred dollar limo cost me eight hundred dollars with fines and everything like that. Oh my God. And then by sending it in the wrong direction, we had to pay an additional. I believe it was a couple hundred more dollars, dollars like to oh, get no. it to to get it to turn around and actually go to the destination. Yeah. So, but okay. but then it gets better, Frank. Yeah. So then, like a day later, I get this letter in the mail, and it's from the like the county or the city, and it's a felony like traffic citation for fit like it says it's like leaving a vehicle on the street with no insurance so basically it was like yeah. a no insurance violation because in massachusetts your uh your insurance is tied to your license plate and so if you don't have a license plate they assume you don't have insurance but I, like i did have insurance on it but but i so i have like a court date that's in may that I have to go like talk, talk to these guys about this felony thing. And so at this point, I'm like, I absolutely hate this limo. Like, I don't want anything more to do with it. But <laughs> it's still sitting out in uh, in Foxborough. I'm like, at least I can I have some time to figure something out. And then a month later, the guy's like, hey, you got to move this thing. Like, we need to get this thing out of here. And so I, <laughs> I'm like, screw it. I just saw one of the like 100 scrap it. And so I just called the scrap it company and it just so happened that the company was picking it up on the same exact day that I was going to court. So they're scheduled <laughs> to pick it up and I go into court and they're asking me and so they're like, okay, so it says here you parked your limo on the street, unlicensed. And I go, okay, here's the story. And they go, oh, oh, oh everyone has a story. Everyone's got a story when they come in here. <laughs> And so I start going through my story, and they start shaking their heads. I'm like, I get through it, and, I, and they, they start like coaching. Like, yeah, so I tried Oregon, they wouldn't title. And they go, well, did you try Massachusetts? Yes. Did you try to get the title from New Hampshire? Yes. And so the guy looks at me, and like, he's laughing. I go, I'm just right now. They're on the way to pick it up to just scrap this thing. I'm tired of the like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, like maybe you can figure something out. And no, I'm like, look, I'm done. <laughs> And so at the end, the guy looks at me and they, they go, well, just don't park your limo on the street again. You're good. Oh my gosh. And then I, so I he had his felony dismissed. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. So then I, that was when I, I was the ex exec officer for like one of the uh, executives basically on the base. And so she knew about the limo and she knew that I like the whole story. But they, <laughs> she knew the whole story, but she kept going, hey, when are you going to get that limo, like, fixed? When are you going to get it registered? Because we need to pick pick so-and-so up from the airport. And so they just kept needling <laughs> me about the limo, and, like, every time was just pure pain. And so I bought it in November, and then I sent it to the scrapyard in May. And so every May, Trevor sends me a picture of the limo. <laughs> That is great. I can't believe you've never told me that story. That <laughs> it hurts. That's amazing. So the funny. Oh, go ahead, sure. 
the funniest thing about the limo is that for the first three weeks we were riding high like we got this limo this is gonna be great (laughs) and the only time we ever rode in the limo as a group (laughs) that wasn't to actually physically move it to another parking location was that first (laughs) night when they pulled up and our buddy Jim was driving it and I gave him I had this stupid driving hat and he threw it on opened the door for us and we just went around and picked up all our buddies and drove around and that was the only time that it ever got any anything good out of it. I think the cost for procurement was $800 and the cost of fines and all that stuff was over a thousand. That's myth. I feel like that's like a good the limo test. That's a, for anyone looking to make a new purchase of any product, give it the limo test. You, you can ha- you, can you deal through. with what you're actually going to yeah. purchase and are yeah, actually exactly. going to use it? Exactly. <laughs> and and the only like the thing that the other thing that I didn't I hadn't looked into is the rule in terms of being able to drink in the back of the limo. It's not the type of car. It's that it's that you're purchased like you're paying someone to drive you around. So then mm-hmm. I was th- like, it wasn't even going to work out well to begin with, because I was like, well, do we have to set up like a little company so that we can act like we're paying, <laughs> or I don't know. It was a complete fiasco. <laughs> this is the podcast where we repent for our prior sin, <laughs> <laughs> our past sins. Uh, the confession. This is episode nineteen. The confessional. <laughs> can you send actually? Can you send me a picture that I'd like to uh, tweet that out? Yeah, yeah. I'll Under what? What's the hashtag, Trevor? Above the noise. Above the noise. I love it. So, so the final thing we want to jump into tonight is, uh, Trevor, your your summer plans have really piqued both Axel and my interest. So can you talk a little bit about the concept and what, you, what you've planned thus far? So over the course of, well, to give a little background about me, uh, when, I was a, when I was a child, uh, a newborn, I was actually born in Sapporo, Japan, and I was adopted by a military family that was stationed at Yokota Air Force Base in, in Japan and was brought to the United States as a newborn. And one of the most interesting things over the course of the past couple years was understanding where you come from, who you are, and what makes you you. And I've always had kind of an interesting perspective on it because I feel as American as anyone else while still being a Japanese-born citizen. So it's always been fascinating to me. So I decided that over the summer I would take some time off and travel around the United States to really get the full Griswold road trip, except I would be doing it by myself and hoping to meet different people along the way to understand their American story because everybody has a story and it It's just a matter of finding those people and actually listening to them uh, so you can learn a little bit more about them. So this summer, my plan is to take a few weeks off, get in my vehicle. At first, we were discussing me getting on a train and Amtracking it because I thought, what, what is more American than jumping on an Amtrak and just riding it? But then... I was talked down and told, you know, it's probably best if you plot out where you go so you can have a have more control over where you go and what you see and, and who you speak to. So I've decided that I'm going to go on a Midwest tour to Nebraska and Iowa, Montana, South Dakota, North Dakota, pretty much Wyoming, and visit all these different places that I've never actually spent a long period of time and to really get to know other people and really find myself and understand why I care so much about America and being an American and being proud. That's awesome. Are you going to bring your, your microphone along and, and record any interviews along the way? 
So it's funny that you asked that, Frank, because I'll be releasing a podcast documenting my travels and interviewing different people that I meet along the way. So I will be releasing a podcast during that time where you will almost feel as though you're sitting right next to me in my 2009 Subaru as we drive across the country to meet new people and hear their stories. I can't wait. This is incredible. I have two suggestions. So the first is you got to pick up at least one hitchhiker. You know how I feel about hitchhikers. (laughs) And don't make them right in the back. That's a good point. Because I expect an interview from the hitchhiker. So just a backstory, me and Trevor were on a road trip once, and I told him we were picking up a hitchhiker if we saw one at the beginning of the trip. And then in the middle of the night at the top of this mountain pass, we saw a dude hitchhiking, and then... I pulled over and Trevor's like panicking. He's like, "Hey, hey, hey, where?" <laughs> he, I was like, "Hey, let's just let him sit in the in the back." He's like, "He's not sitting in the cab." So then we made the we made that poor kid sit in the back of the truck, but his car was out of gas, so he was ha- way happy to get a ride. Period. To give a little bit more context, it was in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee, and we were on a mountain where all along the side of the road were crosses uh, because people had actually, unfortunately, gotten in car accidents there. And it was just very eerie. There was no light, and it was just back backwoods kind of creepy, a little scary. And then we just saw this figure walking in the middle of the street, and I'm like, we cannot stop and pick this guy up. <laughs> and Max is like, we're absolutely picking yeah, we're. Up. I had a one moment of indecision, but then I realized that we had to do it, so <laughs> we picked that dude up. And we're better people having picked That's him up. That's true. So pick up a hitchhiker, number one. And then Tim Fer- Ferriss interviewed a guy who, I can't remember who it is. He, he does a ton of interviews, but he spent some time traveling around Europe, and he basically did it. <laughs> he had almost no money, and so the only way he could have a roof over his head was to pretty much taught people into letting him stay with them and his secret was he explained it he was on a train in either poland or um oh man now it's escaping where he was at one of the eastern european countries and uh and he's they're right on the train and like he's like man i don't have a place to stay i need to strike up a conversation so there's a very cute girl that he's sitting next to and he's like this is like kind of a good move but not the most pragmatic move so then he scooted a seat back to this old grandma and he simply asked her how do you make how do you make homemade goulash and the the grandma was like goulash i love my and she looked around at all the like the young kids around her was like you guys never ask me how i make my goulash like you guys are <laughs> and so then she started telling him she's like you have to come to my house and try my goulash these people don't appreciate it and so then he ends up going to their house and it's this big party to let this american try this goulash and then it just turned into this big like four-day party so that's it. that was his tip for meeting and talking to people when you're on a trip like that Ask somebody about their goulash. Ask them about what they do well that the people around them don't appreciate any longer. Noted. I'll definitely do that during my travels. Yeah. And uh, in terms of dates, I may even be able to meet up with you because I'm going to be in Missouri, Iowa, and Minnesota during some period in July. So that might might be fun. Maybe we'll get a another... <laughs> live uh live experience I, I i feel much better knowing you and seeing you in person now that i, I know you're a real person i am actually real not just not just a fanboy that slides in your dms <laughs> to right. talk to you about politics <laughs> hey are we gonna get a say in your travels so what have you decided over the course As I was sitting down and thinking about where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do, Axel brought up a very valid point that maybe, just maybe, it would be a great idea to have people on the internet vote 
and tell us where I should go next and make it an interactive tour for everybody. I, I, so I view it as crowdsourcing your route. I think that that is a possibility. And since Frank has the most Twitter followers, <laughs> he could pro he could probably crowdsource the best for us. So oh, soon wow. Frank will be shotgunning a, a Twitter poll. Once you get to one, see if I sh- once you get one excellent blog post or photo out and the story gets out, then it's going to blow up. Oh yeah, definitely. You'll have, you'll have lots of goulash to help make. There's going to be lots of goulash, <laughs> lots of corn. Oh man. Yeah. That's going to be good too. That's awesome. So, Axel, any uh, final questions or things that you've waited till the very end to uh, reach back into our our memory bank bank and call Trevor out for? No, I'm uh, I'm excited that he came back on. I was actually like very I was very impressed with the depth of his analysis and my lack of ability to pull some things out to put them back play them back for him. So he's uh, he's fun to have on. He's thoughtful and uh brings a good perspective and i'm excited to see how the walkabout goes and hear about i'm i did not know he was doing a podcast so that's very exciting that's awesome yeah i'm excited to hear more and i have to say going back and listening through i i I really enjoyed it i feel like we we learn from you every time that you're on and uh i can't wait to have you on when you get back from your trip so you can talk about it and, and talk about the release of your podcast and and as per tradition, we will turn the microphone over to Trevor to uh, give us our final thoughts. Shout out to uh, Ken and Jen for requesting that we do this podcast. Uh, it was actually while Axel was on a trip to South America, he got to see Ken and Jen and... They said, you know what? We would love to hear Trevor eat his words about some of the things he said. <laughs> they love so, to hear everyone eat their words. They also mentioned Frank and his four-mile run. Four, uh, four-minute mile. Four-minute mile. Yeah, we talked about that in, uh, in episode 18. But, hey, their, their words will not be eaten until I, I have decided whether or not I've reached my goal. So, <laughs> more to come on the training. And, uh... One last thing on the politics front, you know, since I got on my little kick about America and being excited about it, one of the most interesting things during the election season is you start to see it, what we would perceive to be a major divide. But one of the coolest things that I think we'll look back at this pat or this election for not only did you get the Celebrity Apprentice host. Uh, actually become the nominee of a major party but you also have the first woman nominee for a major party in this country and I think it's cool for future generations to be able to look back over the past two major elections where you have the first African-American and first female nominee of a presidential party major party Um, so now when people talk to their kids or they teach their kids in school they'll actually be able to say, you know, you can really do whatever you want to. And there's nothing holding you back at this point. I find it very touching and heartwarming to see that whether you like them or not, it's actually uh, shows progress. We're only 66 years late behind India for the first female, though, so we can do better than that. But uh, usually I read a Donald Trump tweet, but I think I'm a little bit more happy with the future of Frank's kids and our future children and uh, how they can look back and be proud that we were part of the generation to break through that wall and actually have uh, break down some barriers. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great, great final thought. So wrapping up episode 19, I'm Frank Boyce. And this is Axel Clark. Thanks, Trevor. That was a great way to wrap it up. Let's play.
This is my confession to you. 